Daylight savings time, dear God Almighty. How many of you guys missed that hour? You missed it. You're like, I want it back. That's, I woke up this morning and I was like, no, 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 I want it back. You're not allowed to steal it from me, iPhone, in the middle of the night. Like, you should have at least told me you were taking it from me. My wife told me at 11 o'clock last night, by the way, you know, we're losing an hour. I'm like, what? Like, couldn't you have prepped me for that? Like, I need that hour. I, I, I count on that hour of sleep. You guys are the early guys, so you're like, oh, whatever. We're already up at 6 a.m. This is easy. Hey, we are finishing up our series, What is Love? Everybody say, what is love? Say it again. Say, what is love? So what, uh, the premise of this whole series was we live in a time where the word, well, many words are being redefined and repositioned to mean things that they um, historically have not met, meant. And, um, and so we wanted to say, Lord, we just pause everything. Because we want to love our generation. We want to love people who are hurting. We want to love people that are different than we are. We want to love um, our children properly. We want to love the way the Bible says to love. And so what we did was we backed up and we said, let's retrain ourselves. And what does the Bible teach on love? We started, first and foremost, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you weren't here for that, I would highly suggest you go back and just review um, that teaching out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Then we looked at how Jesus loved from Dr. Parrott's teachings. It was really powerful. And then we went into how to love as a couple, as married couples. So it was really important for single folks. I wanted you to go ahead and start prepping the ground on how to actually biblically love your spouse to even be one day. Those of us that are married, those of us who have been married for a long time, how to go back and reestablish proper biblical marriage love. And then last week, um, I was pretty fired up because I'd been doing a lot of research and I just couldn't believe the trajectory, trajectory that we were on as a society and how we were losing our children. How we were losing our children to what I called idols. And uh, we, we dove into um, that Second Timothy chapter 3 passage where the Apostle Paul said, Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. And he began to lay out, as I see it, basically four idols. And you know what an idol is? An idol is anything that you love more than you love God. And he talked about, he said, men in the last days, they will love themselves more than they love God. That was one idol. They will love evil more than they love God. They will love pleasure more than they love. They will love money. Those are the four gods, the little idols that he put there prophesying on what was to come some 2,000 years later. And here we are. And those are the idols of our generation. Those are the idols of not just the United States anymore, but typically the whole world. Everybody loves money more than they love God. You, and they prove it by where they put their affection, their attention, where they put their effort and energy and what they see as their identity. And so we went after that thing last week to just say, let us no longer sacrifice our children to the gods of this world. And we looked at how in biblical times, the followers of God would constantly be affected by culture. The Jewish people, the Israelis, and they would begin to give their children over to the gods of Moloch. These false gods, these demonic forces that people were worshipping. And images that they would make in, in love to those gods. And how literally at Moloch, they would put their kids up on that altar. And, and, and they would heat this, this, this bronze statue uh, up so hot. And then throw their kids in it and, and, and murder their kids. In hopes that the, some demonic God would give them strength and power to overcome everyone else. And I called us into a place, let us repent of these things and change our ways and move forward. Well, today what I'm going to do is we close out what is love. Um, I'm going to literally finish up on the family dynamic and, and, and literally how to raise children in a godly way. So you say, I'm single, I don't need that, we're empty nests. Listen, it is time for all of us to raise up a new generation. No matter what your age is, no matter where you work, I have been raising kids that are not my own since I was 14 years old. I have been making disciples, come on somebody. I have been raising up spiritual sons and daughters, if you will. And so each and every one of us need this teaching. And our core verse as we jump into this, you ready? Psalms 127, whether you believe it or not, children are a gift from God. They are his reward. Children are a gift from God. My brother on the front row, they just had number five, number six, number four. So proud of you guys. So proud of your precious wife and uh, little boy. And so two girls, two boys at this point. There you go. And so I'm just so proud of them. And I want you to understand this is not a joke or a jest. When God says that children are not just a gift from him, but they are a reward from him. 
They are the reward of life. I was, years ago, I think I told you this, I was on an airplane, uh, and I got seated next to this gal who was traveling overseas, and I think she was from Australia, and, and, uh, and she struck up a conversation, and uh, what do you do? I'm a minister, da-da-da-da, and uh, well, I don't really, you know, serve Jesus. Uh, you know, I know about church, but I've never really been. I've heard about these things. I started giving her the gospel. I started telling her about what Jesus did for her. I started explaining to her, and so somehow we got on topic uh, because my screensaver is a picture of my family. She goes, are those your kids? I said, yeah. I said, do you have kids? She goes, no, I don't think I would ever bring kids into this terrible world. And I, and I pointed out to her and shook her. I said, well, when you die, none of us will know that you were ever here. Because children are your continuing footprint and grandchildren that you did something of value on this planet. Or did something of evil on this planet. Because they have to live with the legacy of what you've done or what you were. Children are literally a reward, the scripture says. It's a, they are a reward for a life well spent. They are a reward. They are a gift from God. So I want to give you, real quick, as I've scoured the Bible, and today what I'm going to give you is 30 years of ministry training, 30 years of uh, uh, parenting and raising kids and studying the Word of God and going to conferences. I'm going to give you 30 years of how to love your kids in 30 minutes. So <clears throat> get out your notes. This is going to be more uh, you know, scholastic than anything you've done with me in a while because I am, I am on a mandate from God to make sure you're trained so that you can raise up your children properly, so that you can have a great reward in the earth. And as you grow older and you mature on into, into settling in days that you can look back and say, Woo, what peace and joy I have because my children and my grandchildren serve the Lord and they're viable parts of our community. Are you with me? Say yes. So let's go. Biblical ways to love your children. And we're talking about what is love. We're going to, what does God's love look like? What does biblical love look like? Especially in reference to our children, raising our children. Number one, train. This is one of the biblical truths on raising children or loving children properly. Number one, train. Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he, way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6 and 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 and 7. You must teach them. God had, God had brought them back and he had given them the, the teachings of, of the way of God and the law of the Lord. And he tells them, he says, you must teach them to your children. And talk about them when they are at home or out for a walk. At bedtime and the first thing in the morning... Tie them on your finger, wear them on your forehead, write them on the doorpost of your house. Train your children in the things of God. And so that brings me, what is he telling us to train them? I'll give you two things he's telling us to train them. Number one, train them in the ways of the Lord. Train them in the ways of the Lord. Now, if any of you have ever been trained or done training, for example, we don't let a human being in the United States drive a, what, 10,000-pound, 6,000-pound vehicle until they have been trained. We don't let them get a driver's license until they've been trained. It starts with academia pieces. They, they're reading manuals. They're studying. Uh, now it's morally online and th uh, more online. And this is when you take can take a left turn. When the light says this, this means this. When you got a flashing this, this means this. You remember taking that driver's text back in the day? And you can't take a left turn across traffic unless you have an arrow, a green arrow. Just because you have a green light doesn't you have to pause all this. And then you've got to, nowadays what these poor kids have to do, they have to go like six months before they can get an official license in a car with someone else older than them and making sure that they're being trained. And I have been doing that with my 15-year-old for the last few weeks. So if I get to shaking it a little bit or have a little bit of PTSD, it's because I'm in the midst of training her how not to die or be killed by... I, I, more than ever, I realize some of y'all cannot drive. Like, you need to go back and get retrained. I'm just telling you. Not Hill City, but I'm talking about anybody who might come across online and find this video right now. Please, please, please. The left lane on the interstate is not for you to listen to Tejana music and have a little dope smoke moment. Get over. In the name of Jesus. Somebody didn't train you right. You know what it's like to work with another person who hadn't been trained right in the job. And you're doing their job for them half the time. They're causing all kinds of problems. Do you know what we're having in the... I just, uh, you, know, uh, you, I, you know, I get... I, I follow social media posts and stuff like that. I got, I got, I got hit up with a post uh, last night. 
And someone posted they were on an eight-hour flight. I think it was American Airlines. And there was a three-year-old that had lost its mind. And it screamed. And they were videoing it. Ah, 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 standing up in the seat. Eight hours. I thought, hmm, somebody needs a lesson on how to train their children because they were not trained. And that child is the center of its universe. And if it ain't happy, it's not going to let you be happy because it is a demigod running around because no one has trained them properly. Train up a child. And so, again, what do we train them in? First and foremost, you need to train them in the ways of the Lord. What does the Bible say? How did Jesus live it? I don't care how Grandma said it. I don't care what secular uh, teachings say. What does the Word of God say? Your children will live out what you train them in. That what, what they believe and don't believe is really based on what we as parents. And so we're seeing now that our, our, our poor teachers are so strong. Our Christian teachers in our congregation is what's coming down. What's coming down from the, from the headship on what they have to teach now and things they don't even believe, things that they shouldn't have anything to do with educating them on math and English and arithmetic and all these things. And, and here they are now trying to train them on things that they don't even believe because someone at this level is pushing an agenda. And parents are rising up. You see it all across the nation. Like, you're not going to teach my kid that. I'm not going to let you train them in that. I don't believe in that. Because if you let someone else train them, then someone else will have power over them. It is our responsibility as godly men and women to teach our children the ways of the Lord. And God's ways are good. God's ways are kind. God's way, He loves the broken and the hurting. Come on, somebody. Hey, teach your children the ways of the Lord. Teach them what you're learning at this church. Teach them what you're learning in your daily Bible reading. Teach them what you're learning. Even Listen, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just teach them as you learn. Because I believe God is so powerful, He'll start teaching you on something you need to teach your children. You'll be in a moment of learning something, and you're like, oh, my goodness, and realize, oh, my kid needs this. I'm going to teach you even as God's teaching me. And it's what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's really that simple. You don't have to have it all figured out. And every parent said, amen. Come on, do, do it again. Say amen. You don't have to have it all figured out or have to be the best at everything. Just, just as God's teaching you, you teach your children. As you're learning, they're learning. Are you with me? Say yes. Here's the second thing to train them in, and that is your values. Write that down. Train them in your values. Do you know what your values are? The McCain family had a large set of values. We had about 10 values that we, that we trained our kids in. I identified them beforehand, and I, be, I was going to be dogged and determined that my children were going to have these values. You know what our first value was? First-time obedience. First-time obedience. I trained my children in first-time obedience. You said, what is that? Well, here's why most of you don't have peace and joy in your family unit. is because when you correct, you don't really mean it. You don't really mean it. Hey, stop doing that. What am I, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Hey, 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 stop, stop that. Yeah, I know, right? I know. So, so, well, hold on just a hey, hey, stop that. I told you, if you make me come over there, that kid's like, she ain't doing nothing. She said that 10 times and ain't ever done nothing. She ain't going to get up and come over here until finally you're so mad that then you react. Never did that with my kids. Hey, uh, we're talking to this again. Hold on just a second. Hey, um, I need you to stop doing that right now. Yes, sir. Okay, so it was a, I'm going to have to call you back. Come here. What did daddy tell you? You, you said, you said not, not to. And you did that. So what is that? It's rebellion. That's right. It's rebellion. That's right. That's what it is. And what do we do at rebellion? We drive it out. Because we don't want you to be in jail the rest of your life. Are shot by somebody because of your rebelliousness we want to drive that out now we had first-time obedience so I'll give you a great example of this I, I trained my children I but I never asked them to do something when I was half thinking about it this is what many of us do you haven't thought it through you don't really know if you believe that you just say something to get them to get away from you that's not loving concern that's not training your child properly what you're training them to do is not mean what you say and so what I did was I trained them that when daddy speaks, daddy means it. When mama speaks, she means it. So I had to train my wife. Hey, don't say that over and over again. You say it once, they don't respond. You help them understand what you're saying. 
So, Because if you're telling them three and four and five and six and seven times, does anybody work with somebody like that? They're a grown adult, and you can't tell them nothing because they ain't hearing it. And they're not doing it. Why? Because that's how they were trained. That's what they experienced in life because they didn't have a mom or dad that actually loved them enough. This is what love looks like. Train up a child. This is love. To train them up, to take responsibility. It was my responsibility to train my children, not yours, not the teachers. The teachers helped me, but the teachers, it's not their job. Come on, teachers, somebody ought to shout amen. And the problem that teachers are telling us they're having is that they have zero parent involvement. They dump them off and like, whoo, thank you, Jesus, and get out of there as soon as they can. The teacher's like, I can't do nothing with this little devil because you don't support me. You don't support the word. I'm, I mean, I'm preaching good even if you don't like it. But I, I, we taught him. I, 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 we were in Mexico one time, and we had gotten out. On, uh, we were in Mexico City, I believe it was, a really big city. And we were doing missions work. My son was with me. I think he was 8, 9, 10 years age, somewhere in that range. And um, we had gone inside somewhere. We were on a, bull, on the, on a boulevard. The, the way they parked, cars were flying by. We just pulled over to the curb where all the cars were parking. And so we go to get back in the missionary's vehicle. I go around the front. And my son's coming around the back, and as I come around the front, cars are coming, and, we're, and I'm about to step into traffic to get into the car. And they're coming, foo, foo, foo. and I step right here, he's coming around the corner, and I said, son, stop. Had he not stopped, had he gone, what, dad, what? He'd have stepped into traffic in a car, whisping, and nipped his elbow. Would have killed him. But I taught him first time obedience. He knew that if daddy speaks, daddy loves him enough to speak and mean what I say, and not to be foolish with it. And not to put him in, in a situation that's going to harm him. I trained him in that. That was a value for us. I'll tell you another couple of values. Can I give you a couple of our values? Is that all right? Uh, we, we believe that uh, if, a, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I taught my children to have a work ethic. Come on. Come on. Listen, I, I need some help by some of you guys that are a little older that are watching. Uh, we have 7 million able-bodied young adults who will not work a job right now in the United States. Did you know that? 7 million able-bodied young people. You know why? Because they're sitting in their mom and dad's spare bedroom or basement playing video games all day. They're going to they be social influencers. And they don't have a job. And so they're bumming off of a parent that never trained them right. And this is what's causing part of our problem, even economically, by the way. And the next generation coming up, we're not trained that if they don't work, they shouldn't eat. We're still feeding them even though they don't do anything positive for our society. That's, that, I'm, I'm talking about our, our, I'm not just talking about the church, guys. We've got to raise up the next generation. The Bible teaches that. If you don't work, you didn't. So I taught my kids from the time they were little, they working. I'm, I, listen, they had been, they, if they cleaned their room, they got an allowance. I taught them the value of hard work. I taught them, listen, my kids will be up here serving you as the church when I'm already home in bed. Why? Because I taught them the value. First thing I did, bought my son a little used lawnmower. I said, cut some grass, buddy. Cut some grass. He's 10-year-old out there cutting people's lawn. I'm like, oh, we'll give you $5 for that work. Okay. <laughs> Paid his way through college cutting grass. Man didn't work. He shouldn't eat. I, that was a value for us. What values are you training? Do you know what those values are? Have you set them down? Have you helped, as a, as a grandparent, have you helped your children? So, you know, we didn't know how to do all this, but I want to help you help my grandkids. I want to help, help train you in some values and if you need any help, just, just we'll figure it out together. What values have you set aside? What values, uh, what values are you training? I, I mean, we trained all of our kids to honor other people's existence. No matter the color of their skin, no matter how they, they vote, to honor their existence. That you're beautiful because you're alive. And you're created in God's image. We taught them to stand against sin and foolishness. Those were values for me. And I taught them, I trained them, I showed them how to do it. I showed them my life. I trained them in that. Are you still with me? Say yes. So how do you train? Write this down. I'll give you a couple. I've got to move fast. How to train. Well, first of all, you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7, and he gets this very clear. We read that one, right? He says, you must teach your children and talk about uh, all these things, all these teachings when you're at home or out for a walk. Talk about it at bedtime. And before you lay them, when you're, when you're sitting on the edge of their bed, putting them in bed, when they're, especially when they're younger, you start, you, you start training them. Now listen, I'm so proud of you. Listen, we're going to say our prayers right now. You're training them. You're training them. We're going we're gonna to get down on our knees right now. Daddy's going to get down on his knees with you. We're going to cry out to God. And we, we, you're not going to fear at night. You and I have nightmares and dreams. I'm not going to let you watch the stuff that are going to give you nightmares and dreams. 
But, just, but that doesn't mean I can't protect you from everything wicked. So as a result, I'm going to teach you how to overcome. We're going to get down on our knees and we're going to ask Jesus to just comfort our little minds so we can sleep in peace. And, and we're going to lose angels around about your bed right now so no demons can come at you in the middle of the night. That's what I did with my kids. I trained them. I trained them according to what Deuteronomy said. This is what I trained them in. I trained them to, I, I, by, by, to, how I did it was I taught them in the nighttime before they went to bed. Early in the morning, we'd get in the car. I'd drive them to school, put on the whole armor of God. Let's go. Come on. Come on, kids. Put on your whole armor of God. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. You're not going to go nowhere today without peace. Somebody wants to start a fight, you're going to feel no peace in that. You're going to back away from it. I like, I mean, praise the Lord. Go on with your bad self. I taught them how to, I taught them how to overcome the things that they were going to be attacked doing throughout the day. Are you still with me? Say yes. I told you I was giving you 30 years and 30 minutes, so you got to hold on, all right? Just, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Here's the other thing, how you train. You train by, by, by doing Deuteronomy 6 and 7, by talking to them, talking to them, talking to them, showing it to them. And then, and then the second way you train them is by modeling it. Modeling it. I can't tell you how many times I came home after, being, after doing something stupid, being stupid, and I got down on my knees and I said, hey, I just want to repent. Got my kids in the room. I want to repent. Daddy, Daddy got a speeding ticket today. He broke the law. I never forget one time I was speeding to I-20. I, I was heading to, uh, to Christ for the Nations for a meeting. I was late. It was an evening. I had both the kids in the car. Our third one wasn't here yet. And, man, I'm in and out. I'm getting it, too. I'm coming up 20. And way back in the back, all of a sudden, I see a police officer with his lights on. Well, I know he's not been able to radar me because I've been so in and out. Of he could not keep. I mean, there was no way he had me pinned in. And so he finally, he pulls me over, he gets out, you know, one of those Barney Fife kind of guys, you know, gets out. You know, and he cuts one little bullet, you know, he's just like, he's mad. And so I rolled down my window, he goes, uh, you in a hurry? I said, uh, yes, sir, I guess I am. I said, why, was I speeding? And he goes, uh, he goes, I don't know, I couldn't get you on radar. I was like, oh, really? He says, yeah, but back, there. I said, why'd you pull me over? He goes, well, because you didn't use your blinker back there. And when he said that, the fire of anger just rose up inside of me. Come, I mean, you know what you do. You got flesh too. And I start thinking, they are murdering people right there. Crackhead, look at the crackhead on the bridge. And you're pulling me over because I didn't put on my blinker. Really, it's you just mad because you couldn't catch me. That's what you're mad about. That's what I'm thinking right that. And he goes, uh, yeah, and, uh, and not only that, but you've got a tail like this out. And I was, uh, he, no, he said, and, and so you didn't use your blinker. And I said, well, I think I did. And he goes, uh, well, you didn't. And I said, uh, well, maybe it's out. And he goes, all right, well, let's look out and see if your little light bulb's out. Because if it is, that's another ticket. I was like, ah, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Never mind, just give me a ticket. And he goes, well, I was going to. And I'm, I'm ticked off. And I'm being sharp with him. I'm being just, I'm being a knothead. And uh, my kids are in the car. <clears throat> and as soon as he comes walking up, the one in the back is like, oh, Jesus, don't let my daddy go to jail, Jesus. I'm like, shut up. I got this. And by the end of it, I got this ticket, man, and, and I roll back up the window. The cars are foom, foom, foom. So I 20, you know, like 645 in the evening. And, uh, and uh, I look at my kids, and all of a sudden the conviction of God come on because their eyes are real big. They're, they're young, you know, they're little. And, uh, and it just hit me, and I heard the voice of the Lord. Look what you just trained your kids in. That you only obey when it's convenient for you. That you only obey the laws of the land when there's an authority around. Otherwise, you'll break them for your own convenience. You're now training them that, that obedience is relative. They will never obey anyone else because you're now training them how to be manipulative. And the conviction of God, I'm shaking in the car and they're looking at me. And, uh, and I said, you see this ticket right here? He said, yeah. I said, what does dad do when you're disobedient? He whoop us. This is a whooping. <laughs> dad just got a whooping and a half. Because I ain't never seen a ticket for $250 for not using your blinker. And I'm mad about it just like you are when I discipline you. But God loves me. And he disciplines me. And I want to repent to you guys because I broke the law. And I, that is not right. And I want, you to, I, want you, I want you to forgive me. I want you to pray for me. So <laughs> Mariah's real little at the time. She's so bold. She reaches Jesus, I just pray for my dad that the demons inside of him that made him be disobedient would leave him. I'm like, get off of me, kid. What's wrong with you? I just want you to know, if you train up a child in the way they should go, then when they're older, they won't depart from it. If you train them up to be manipulative, 
and accusatory and insecure, then when they're old, they won't depart from it. Are you tracking? That's what the scripture tells. All right, how else to train? Number one, here, uh, number one was use the Deuteronomy 6 and 7 where you tell them. Number two, you model it. Number three, empower others to help you. The best decision ever made. There were years in ministry where I watched senior pastors, senior leaders, and no one could correct their children because they were the senior pastor. I was like, I will not raise a bunch of little demons. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to destroy the name of God because my kids are so wicked because they're PKs or ministers, kids, whatever you want to call them. So I learned, I watched the kids that were good kids, that parents were, were missed, and those parents in leadership had the humility to say, I need to incorporate someone else to help me raise my, help me correct my kids. So I, I empowered Pastor Jonathan and Myrna. They, I, when my kids started turning teenagers, Pastor Sean Bates, I said, listen, I need you to help me mentor my kids and train my kids as they're coming into their teenage years. I, you know, I did years of youth ministry, but, but, but I don't want to think that I know it all. I need you to speak into their life, bring correction, bring strength to them, train them, encourage them. And they're like, we got you. And they started literally different people in our church. I gave them permission to help me train. I incorporated. I, asked, I empowered others to come help me. In fact, Pastor John uh, Hunter sitting here today, he said something that blew my mind years ago. He said his kid's pastor finally came to him and said, hey, I need to talk to you. Um, we're having problems with one of your children in kid's ministry. It's been going on for weeks. He said, why did you never come to me? And they were like, well, you're the senior pastor. It's your kids. And Pastor John said, uh, he, he gave an understanding that has stuck with me today. He goes, I empowered you in your position. I gave you authority in your position that was given to me by God. I gave you authority in that position and therefore, when it comes to my kids, I submit to the authority that you walk in that was given to you by the senior leader, who was me, of course, but by God himself. And so when you come to me and you say, "There's don't, don't be scared to come to me and say, hey, you gave me authority in this area, and this is an area that you're not doing so good. You, you, you need to help us tighten up. And he goes, he submitted to that, to the authority that he gave. We live in this concept that someone at the top is above authority, and they're not. Or correction, and they're not. Not me. Not presidents, come on somebody Not CEOs And we do that with love and kindness But you gave me authority to do this job And then now that authority doesn't extend to your children What's wrong with that? That's not right So I would challenge you and encourage, empower Empower and say, listen, I'm going to go to that youth director I'm going to say, hey, look, I'm gonna, I need your help to help me with this kid of mine I, I want to give you authority to walk in If you see something, you correct it If you need to call me, you call me We're going to work together Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be the single point of failure Y'all catch that? This is, what, this is what Paul did. He said, he, said, he said, literally, I discipled you, Timothy, though your mom and your grandmother were full of the power of God, and they trained you, and I'm sure, you know, others, but I came alongside side you, and I trained you as well. You still there? Say yes. And then the other way that you train, I know this is a lot, but I got to give it to you, and that is you test them. Training is of no value if you don't test it. You got to test it to see if it's working. Aren't you grateful that before they load you up in those airplanes, that some dumb test pilot tests the plane? I want to know that it works. Don't put me in it until you've tested it. Well, you have, that test pilot is the most courageous person on the planet. Because some engineer has put this thing together, designed it, all these things, and all the mechanics have built it, and all, the, you know, all these And now you've got to test it for the first time. You should be testing what you're training. How do you test it? Ask questions. Watch them. Watch them. Many times throughout raising up my children in the things of God. I would, I would train them in an area, but then I needed to watch to see if it was actually working. And so, for example, if I saw them at the end of the table when we were meeting with another family and maybe we went to a restaurant, and I saw them be rude to that, to that, uh, you know, that waiter or that waitress, I would, I would dismiss myself. I'd go down to the end of the table and say, come with me. Come with me. Take them outside. Let me ask you something. What are you doing? What do you mean? That waitress came, came to your end twice and asked you what you, you guys all wanted to drink, and you kept playing on your phone and never looked her in the eye. That doesn't work. That's rude. And that little lady's working two jobs, probably a single mom doing her best. She's gone through some things, and, and, and no kid of mine is going to be rude to somebody when they're trying to talk to them and keep playing on it. Do you understand me? Give me the phone. Give me the phone. Now, when you can be respectful, we'll get you the phone back. But right now, you have proven unworthy of this. I want you to look that lady in the eye the rest of the day, and we'll see what happens. I'm testing 
what I'm training. Are you tracking with me? If you never follow back up, if you never circle back around and see if it's in there, if it's working, then what are you doing? You're just, you're just preaching at them. And that's why as they become teenagers, you're like, oh my gosh, she's preaching at me again. Yeah, I'm telling you. Listen, teenagers, you better, you better kiss me big at the end of this service and send me offerings or something because I'm going to help you have a good, healthy family. Here's the benefits of training children in things of God. Number one, when they're old, they won't depart. And number two, they will have heaven for their eternity. It may be hard. It may be difficult, especially when you've got strong-willed children. But where did they get it from? You, by the way, as your pastor, just say it. And so, but strong-willed children, guess what they won't do? They won't bow to the wickedness that is coming if you'll train them properly when they're young and moldable especially. Are you still with me? Say yes. You still love me? Say yes. I sure do love you. So here's the second way you show love to your children, to your grandchildren, to, the, to the, maybe the disciples that you're raising up. We can use it as that as well. And that is number two, you're not going to like it. It's on the screen. You don't want me to say it, but I'm going to say it because it's out of the Bible. And that is discipline. I know, right? One of you. Thank you, Josiah. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son. Mm. I don't know what therapists teach, but I can tell you what the Bible teaches. He who spares the rod hates his son. I would rather love the way Jesus loved than the way all these philosophers are loved. In fact, the next one who tells you that, you know, that is corporal punishment or whatever is wicked and undone and you should be, have CPS, ask them about their children. How their children, as far as in society, did they join up with Antifa? Just like, like, let's like, who are you, who are you getting counsel from, and what are the benefit? What have they really produced? I, I, I may not like it, but it's what the Bible teaches, and if I do what the Bible says, I'll get what the Bible says I'll get. Okay. So again, I know. I, listen, I am so grateful that uh, that 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 we can learn from God's ways and grow in it. He who spares the rod hates his son. He who loves him is careful to discipline him. If you've beaten on a child, you should go to jail. Look how the Bible says it. It's careful to discipline them. There's nothing about disciplining my child that I personally enjoy. There's nothing about a rod or a spanking that should give you any kind of gratification. You should be, I with fear and intrepidation, but understanding the outcome of it. How about this one, Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. The reason why some of you don't have peace in your home because you don't discipline your children. He will bring delight to your soul. I, I can't stand my kids. I need to drink another bottle of alcohol now that they in bed. That's why you got all these Christian folks that are wine, wine or winos by the end of the evening. Because there is no discipline. And so as a result, it's not a delight. My children, from this high up, have been a delight to Jamie and I. We have had so much fun with our kids. We, not because we're the greatest. We had to learn. I mean, we were always on a learning curve. Always learning. Always learning. They're such a delight. Why were they such a delight? Because we disciplined them. There was order in our home. There was rightness in our home. There was not all this craziness. Running around doing whatever they wanted, when they wanted to do, how they do it. Stressing out their mama. No, ma'am. No, sir. Look, look at Hebrews chapter, uh, excuse me, Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. Hebrews 12, 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, in other words, while we were in their home, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Everybody say Amen. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If you don't discipline your children, then they won't be able to even be a disciplined person going forward. They won't understand. The people in this room who are healthy and strong physically, they have a disciplined health life. Discipline's not bad. It's beautiful. It literally produces a, righteous, a harvest of righteousness and peace. So let me teach you what to discipline. Write this down. Here's what you discipline. Number one, you discipline wrong, wrong behavior. You discipline wrong behavior. Like that's not right. That's not like God. That's inappropriate. You're not going to talk to your teacher like that. She sent a note home. When I would get in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. In my day, they could, they could give you licks at school. In fact, early, early on in the early 70s, 
they would have you stick your hand out and they'd hit you with a doll rod. Pow, pow. On your knuckles or on an open hand. That's what I, I, it was old school where I, in the public school system I came up in. And, it, and, then, and then, then they could spank you. I mean, they just tear you up. They had boards with holes in them. Whooped you. And then when my mama found out or my daddy found out that I got spanked at school, I got something else at home. Right? I think I turned out pretty good. I mean, there's still some rough edges, as y'all could testify. But I'll tell you right now, that works. You have to discipline bad behavior. Here's the other thing that most people don't understand, that you should also discipline wrong attitudes. Wrong attitudes. And so, you know, it's that little, that little thing, you know, the little adage where the little boy said, you know, his mom and dad, you know, fussed at him and told him to sit down. And he said under his breath, he said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> Attitude. How many of you guys work with people with bad attitudes? Don't you wish their mom and daddy heard this message? I mean, come on. How many of you got bosses? They're like, I don't know, what, what, I don't know which demon I'm getting today. They show up, you don't know which one you're going to get, the happy one? That's why everybody's got to be medicated. Right, because they've not understood how to get their attitude under control. If I, listen, if I lived and let live the attitudes that come into my mind and my heart, you would hate me. Like, that's a mean old joker over there. I smile because I choose to smile. I have been trained to have a good attitude even in bad situations. Right? I came from a good family. Once we got, I mean, we were a blended family. Once we got together and we started following Jesus, we started learning some things. And, man, my parents started putting it into practice. I was so mad about it. But I'm so grateful for it now. Are you still there? Say yes. All right, so let me tell you how to discipline. Write these down. We're moving fast. Number, at times, with the rod. Notice how I put it there. At times. It's wrong for you to beat on your kids. By the way, you should not, your, your hand... Any type of belt or flies water, whatever you would whoop your kids with, should never touch their face. You pop them on the bottom, pop them on the little hand or something like that if you have to. Swat their hand when they're little and say, no, don't touch that. But you shouldn't be beating on your kids. That, there's nothing right about that. Well, my daddy did, yeah, but your dad was suffering from PTSD from Vietnam. And look what, and look what it created for you. Great fear of authority. Discipline should not cause your children to live in anxiety towards people in authority. It should teach them to respect those in authority and respect goodness and rightness. That's all it's for. Here's another way to discipline your children, and that is by removing privileges. Removing privileges. You want to watch your child tighten up? Take away that iPhone. Change the password on the Wi-Fi. Take away their cell phone. And just by the way, I would highly encourage you not to give your child a cell phone before it's time. And every child's at a different level of maturity. I mean, find another way around it. But it's convenient for you because then you don't have to talk to them. But you're not training unless you're talking to them, unless you're engaging with them. I'm just telling you, we have given our kids over to someone else teaching them what to think and how to live. And I'm going to tell you, all the algorithms that have been written are not to help your children. I'm going to prove that statistically last week. They're not writing algorithms to protect your child. It's your job and my job as leaders, as heads of our homes, to protect our children. And so here's another thing, how to discipline without anger. You should never discipline your child when you're mad. I tell mine all the time, whoo, go to your room. Hmm, Jesus, I'll be there in a second. And I would, go, I would go in my room, turn on worship, get down on my knees and say, Jesus, do you want another one or do we keep up with this one? <laughs> Where are we at in this thing, Jesus? Because I'm I'm, I have lost my mind. I am not fit to go help this child get better. In fact, Lord, I, should I turn him over to Satan? Is that what we're doing? Where are we at, Jesus? In this and then Lord would spank me and remind me, what was our key verse? That children... <laughs> they're your blessing Lord stop blessing me so good I don't feel like this is a reward this is a punishment tell the truth I got you got mixed up when you handed this one out to me no I would and then I would repent especially if I'd gotten emotional and passionate in that moment and 
and you know, and, 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 and scared them or something. And I'd calm down and I'd go sit them down and say, now listen, we're, I'm going to spank you. <laughs> and, that, and then I would always coach him, why am I going to spank you? Oh, no. I don't know. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you And we're not leaving until you, you want to get this over with? You want to take all day? I got all day. I don't have to go to work ever again. Ever. You're my work. You are the joy of my existence. What you become, what you become, who you are as an adult is proof whether or not I was a good father. And so, why am I about to spank you? Because <laughs> you said not to do it and I did it. That's right. Now, why is that evil? Because disobedience, disobedience and, and Jesus said obey. Close enough. <laughs> And I would spank them, and I and they, and then I would sit down with them. If they were really emotional, I'd say, I'll be right back. I let them go calm down. I go pray in the spirit. Oh God, don't break their little heart, Lord. I come back in. I sit down with them, looking at them. I love you. I hold them clearly. You are better than this. This is not who you're gonna be. <laughs> yes, Daddy. And then that's it. It was over. It was over. And then here's the last piece on how to discipline. And I just kind of illustrated it with their destiny in mind. I'm not only disciplining you because you got destiny. And you're going to be president one day of something. You're a leader of leaders. And if you cannot act right now, what will happen when a bunch of 16-year-olds say, come on over. Come on. Yeah, my parents would rather that I did. Your parents. You can't see Satan, but he's in there. <laughs> but they remember, oh, I remember the last time I disobeyed when I was four. <laughs> Are you tracking with me? This is like this is good stuff. What I'm giving you, seriously, is years of training and establishing in God and learning and failing and stumbling. And you are great men and women of God. And you will raise great men and women of God. If you obey the Holy Scriptures. And here's the benefits it says that if we will discipline, I get it. I don't like to discipline. You don't like to. We shouldn't over discipline. We shouldn't under discipline. There's this perfect middle, and sometimes you're gonna be a little more over here and a little less over here, and you gotta bring it back into plump. So for somebody today, you're thinking, ah, oh, I've been a little too hard. I need to back off of it. And for others of you, you're like, ooh, man, I've left them to themselves. No wonder we don't have peace and joy in our home. And you gotta bring it back into the plumb line, you gotta bring it back in the middle. And let me tell you what the benefits are. Number one, righteousness. Your kids will serve the Lord if you discipline. That's what it says. It says that Hebrews passage said there will be righteousness. And then guess what? Number two, there'll be peace in your home. There'll be peace in your life. Even though they're going through something terrible, there'll be peace in the midst of it. Why? Because you did it God's way. I'm teaching you how to love God's way. I'm not teaching you what all the therapists and all the secular humanistic ways of doing it. I'm teaching you what the Word of God. I've done my research. I've dialed into it. I've lived it out. And I'm telling you God's way works. All right? That brings me to the fourth way that you love your children, your grandchildren, someone that you're discipling. And that is number three, compassion. You love with compassion. Psalms 103 and 13. As a father has compassion on his children... So the Lord has compassion on those who fear, fear him. Aren't you grateful that God's compassionate with you? Somebody ought to shout amen. You're missing it. It's a good spot. Aren't you grateful that God has compassion on you? Right? Passionately loves you. And that word compassion means, literally, when you define it out, it means that he gives you grace and mercy. So let me teach you, number one, what to have compassion in when it comes to your kids. Number one, compassion in their failures. They're going to fail. They're going to make mistakes. You do, I do. Have compassion in that. Stop being so hard on them. In fact, that Hebrew word right there, when it says how a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on you, that Hebrew word is rakam, which means to show mercy, to have pity. You can be firm, but show mercy. You can have a standard, but say, you know what? The Lord wants you to have mercy in this, just like he showed me mercy. Have compassion in their failures. Have compassion, number two, in their struggles. I can't tell you how many times they would come home, and, and this girl at school, she said this about me, Daddy, and I told her, and I don't even want to go back to school, Daddy. Don't know them like me, and it's just bad, and this teacher, this thing. And I'm thinking, this is so stupid. You're wasting my time. I'm waiting to do a business call that's going to keep us financially in this house. And we're talking about 
little girl drama up at the school. And this one, he would correct me and say, you have no compassion because it's real to her. And you're making light. Aren't you glad that I didn't make light of your little problems in life? Said Father God. And I said, yes, Lord. And so I'd stop everything and sit down. Tell me more about it. Are you serious? I'm, that's I'm blowing up the school. No, Daddy, you ain't got to do all that. All right. I'm telling you right now, I ain't playing with that. I ain't playing. And I meant every word of it, except for blowing up the school. I just want to say that into the cameras. Never thought about that for a moment. No, but I just wanted them to know that they go through struggles. And as a good father, I have compassion on them and their struggles. They fail. They fail and, and, and don't get it all right. And we should have compassion in that. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on you and I. So how do you show compassion? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Write this down. How do you show it? Like practically. How do I show this compassion the Word of God talks about? By forgiving and releasing. Forgiving and releasing. And I can't tell you how many times in counsel I have heard from young people, young adults, grown people, about how their mama, how their daddy, that the, any time they made a mistake, that was it. They would hold back affection because you had not done it right. And they would, they would get disciplined, maybe even say they were sorry, whatever would happen. And that mom, and still as adults, that mama hold back her affection because you blew it. You disappointed me. That is evil, by the way. Because the Bible teaches us that when we forgive, we let it go, let it go. Because love keeps no of wrong, keeps no record of wrong. That's not loving your kids. And you bring it back up. You did this a month ago. And you said you were sorry. I don't see sorry in this. What that is coming out of you is not good. It's not holy. It's not right. I never would bring back what they did yesterday or two weeks. When they repented, they were disciplined. They repented. We let it go. Forgive and let it go. We used the term forget. I just would let it go. I wouldn't bring it back up. That is evil to keep bringing that back up. No one can live under those under those circumstances because I never know if I'm good enough I never know I never know that's what I love about Hill City is we blow it with each other we repent to one another we forgive each other and we go on with our life and we don't bring it up last time you you said that about me in small group I know but I was sorry I told you I was stupid I had a bad moment yeah I can never trust you again yeah that's because you had that same thing growing up you're reproducing that now in adult life with all of us. Okay? Here's the benefit. Oh, excuse me. Here's the next piece on how to, how to show compassion, forgive and release. Number two, carry the burden with them. Carry the burden with them. Let me tell you something. If you get through the teenage years of them driving and they don't fender bend your car that you're letting them drive, it would be a miracle. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? I mean, how many have you dented up in a lifetime? Right? And I'll never forget, I wrecked my car at 16 years old, being stupid, stupid. I went through a car wash, and I had a little Toyota Corolla, but I thought it was Gangsta Mobile. <laughs> a bunch of people, you know, nobody was even out. It was late at night. I pulled out of this car wash, and I just wanted to spin the tire, see if I could, see, see if I, you know, could go Tokyo Drift with it. And I just... <laughs> and in that second spin out, I lost control over it. And it went down almost a ravine and would have killed me, but the grace of God, the back axle caught on the edge of the ravine. And I'm dangling, still 10 feet like this. I got out of the car and called Pop. Pop was like, and it's like 11, it's like midnight. And Pop was like, I'm on my way. He, he looks at it and he goes, whew, I'm glad you're okay. He goes, uh, now your car, I don't know what it's going to cost you to fix it, but I'll be there with you. He helps me get it out. We get it out. We call a tow truck. We get it out. He helps me pay for it. He carried the burden with me of my own stupidity. This is what compassion looks like. You know what? What you did was wrong. I think you've learned a good lesson on your own, and I'm going to carry it with you. You're my child. I'm going to stand with you in this. You got kicked out of school. What you did was wrong. You deserve this discipline, but I'm going to stand beside you. I'm going to carry it with you. I'm not going to shame you. What I'm going to do is stand with you. This seems to be missing a lot in loving kids. And here's the last and, last and final one. You guys have been a little slow in listening, so we've got to speed up. <laughs> All right, number four. I told you it was going to be like a seminar. Number four, and that is encourage. The, I'm, I've given you the top four love principles 
for loving kids and your children that I found in Scripture. Number four was encouraged, Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. This passage is literally teaching us, encourage them, encourage them. When you beat on them, when you're constantly negative to them, you don't put courage in them, you're taking courage out, you're discouraging. The word dis means to remove courage, so you're removing courage from your child. That's why they can't be successful on a football team, because you have so allowed them to experience discouragement. You should be their best encourager. You should be putting courage in them, courage in them, courage in them, courage in them. Go attack that thing, buddy. Come on, sweetheart. You got this. You're going to knock this thing out. Stand up there and sing with all you got. I hear you every night in the shower. I hear you every morning. You got some vocal, you got some chords in there, baby girl. Come on, let's go try out for that little thing. You got, daddy will stand there with you. Mom will come there with you. Come on. You got this. We'll practice with you. I can't sing, but I'll stand there and pretend like I can. Encourage in your children. What to encourage? Number one, encourage them in godliness. Encourage them to be godly. Every time they do, see, here's, what, here's what happens with most children. By the time they're six, they've never heard the word yes. They've heard the word no a billion times. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't. When do you say yes? This is what I learned so early on in, in, in training up my children. I started learning to encourage them in right behavior. So when I saw right behavior, and I do this all the time. They'll tell you, I even do it sometimes today with my 15-year-old. I'll say, hey, hey, come here. Come here right now. You saw what you just did? You saw how you went? And you prayed for that little girl just now? You're unbelievable. That's goodness right there. That's like Jesus. That's a part of your calling. Thanks, Dad. You got it. You got it. I thought I was in trouble. I know. I just have fun with it, you know. <laughs> Validate. See, if you always, all you ever do is... All you ever do is correct bad behavior, and you never validate good behavior and goodness and destiny. If you never do that, then all they'll know is what not to do. They won't know what to do. And this is why the moment they get to college and someone says, actually, your mom and dad were a bunch of, you know, conservative, whatever, Christian, whatever they were. They don't know. They've been deceived. They believe in the, there's some God. Let me tell you the facts of life. And they start, boom, boom. And your kid's like, I, I don't know what to do with that. Why? Because all I've ever heard was no. And I don't even know where yes is at. I don't even know the right path. So I trained my children on the right path from the very beginning by encouraging them. That's right. There you go. That's good. There you go. That's right. Don't go to their house. Bring them to our house. That's right. Good call. That's a great call. All right. I won't be weird. Okay. I won't. But I had to teach them, encourage them in godliness. Encourage them, number two, in identity. Who are they? I always encourage my kids in identity. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a leader of leaders. What I saw, I didn't make it up. If I saw it on him, I encouraged him in it. That's, I told him, this is who you are. This is who you are. When you don't have a dad in the home telling you that's who you are, it's, it's more difficult. Because dad set purpose, whereas mom set compassion. Dad set purpose in order. That's part of the role of a father. Let's set that in order. This is who you are. That, and I always corrected them on their identity and their purpose instead of correct, correcting them on the bad behavior. I always focus more on their purpose. That's not who you are. That's not who you're made to be. That's not you. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to be a lesbian? Why, why would you do that? That's not who you are. You're called to change the nations. I couldn't have kids and God gave me you. Don't you understand who you are? Don't you understand who he created you to be? I'm just a steward of it. You don't even belong to me. You belong to him. I'm a steward of it. And I would set that, I would, I would so encourage them in their identity. And the next one, I would encourage them in their calling, their destiny. So my kids didn't wander around like, I don't, I don't know if I should go to college, if I should work a job. When they had those moments of doubt because all the schools, you know, had all these people show up. Are you going to go into the military? Are you going to? Uh, they'd come home and I was like, oh, what God told you to do when you're 13 years old? When you were in that, when you're in that youth service and someone prophesied to you. When Miss So-and-so came up to you in the foyer and said that, and you came home and told me about it, we said, that, we think that's the Lord. Remember that? And I would remind them, remember that? Because I carried their destiny in my heart. Just like I carry your destiny. As your pastor, I carry your calling in my heart. You have to fulfill your calling. You have to. So when people come to me and say, Pastor, I've been here, you know, for a couple years, but I feel like God wants me to go do this. 
And I know it's God because I've been carrying their calling in my heart. It's such a joy to, to bless them and send them into that. Because I carry your calling in my heart. That's what fathers do. That's what good parenting is. That's what love looks like. It's that you've got to make your calling. And these are demons trying to keep you from it. That's a, short, that's, a, that, that, that's a shortcut. We don't take shortcuts to calling. We live it out day by day, a little bit at a time, and God blesses you for it. And then look what the word says. Or excuse me, let me teach you how to encourage real quick. Number one, start with words of affirmation. I'm constantly affirming my children, affirming, 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 affirming. I do more affirming than I do disciplining and correcting. Because the more I affirm, the less they go here. Because here, that doesn't make any sense. They know this is right. Because I've affirmed it, I've affirmed it, I've affirmed it, I've affirmed it. Affirm their calling. Lay your hands on them at night and speak over them. You'll be a mighty man of God. You will shake nations. If you see business on them, you will own businesses that finance global, global evangelism. You will care for people that no one else cares for. My middle child, from the moment she came on the planet... You're a prophetess in the house of the Lord. So she sees. She sees in advance things that are going to happen. She's a seer. She sees it. That's what prophets are supposed to do. It's amazing. She works in, in media. And she got a degree from A&M to be able to do, you know, broadcast and, 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 and media stuff. Because she's going to be prophesying to the nations from videos that she makes and podcasts that she does. It's, it's on her life. I've been prophesying that over since she was a little girl. And then also encourage them in opportunities. God gives them opportunities. Encourage them in it. God, give, give them opportunities. I've given all my kids opportunities. If I knew somebody, I'd call them up. Hey, I need you to meet my... I want to I introduce my son to you. I, I never withheld opportunities from them. Listen, I want you to meet someone. I always, hey, man, I need you to meet my daughter. You're not going to believe it. What you've been looking for, I think she could fit it. You say, well, that's, that's nepotism. No, it's not. That's called good loving. That's what it looks like. I withhold nothing from my children. Bless them so they can fulfill their calling. Give them opportunities. Encourage them in opportunities. And look what the last pit of this is. And here's the benefit when you encourage your children well. They will have courage to thrive. Your kid will walk up to, the, I mean, they'll be six years old walking up to the thing at McDonald's saying, can I have an extra thing of ketchup, please? Instead of, And when you introduce them to the pastor, I, one of our new families that I've known for years, they come back, you know, in, into town, Destiny, Iraq. And, uh, and so kids, you know, they're young and they're in the midst of being trained. And, uh, and they were introducing, hey, this is Pastor Adam. This is Pastor Adam. And their kids were like, and she's like, you look him in the face and shake his hand. I was like, that's how I, that kid, those kids right there, they will rule the world one day. How you doing? You want to buy some insurance? I mean, I mean, they will, they will rule the world one day. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is what love looks like. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Stand up quickly. You guys have been a little slow listening today, so we're a little long on this service, but we got time. I'm going to minister quickly to you. We're going to close out this series right here, right now. When we come back next week, we're going to start on the road to the cross because we're just weeks away from, uh, from Easter when uh, we celebrate the death of burial and resurrection of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ but as we close out this love series here's what I want you to do I want you to just put your hand over your heart if you have children or grandchildren kids down the street if you're a teacher if you're an educator if you're a businessman or woman God's asking us to train our children better he's asking us to discipline them that's what his scripture tells us to do he's asking us to encourage them he's given his Holy Scriptures. And let's be honest, we've not known how to love exactly like this. Maybe it wasn't modeled for us. You said, Pastor, no one mentored me. Well, let's break, let's break that curse. Let's be what we were not. No one ever really disciplined me, and when they did, all they did was yell at me or cuss me or beat on me. Well, let's break that now, that you may be a good father, a good mother, you may, be you may train your children well and train those that you're going to disciple well that God's going to trust to you. Maybe you've not been able to have your own children. The Lord will give you spiritual children. Put your hand over your heart. Here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. And I want you to just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, of these four love principles in dealing with children and raising up the next generation, pick one or two and say, Lord, strengthen me in that one. Teach me, Lord God. 
teach me how to how to train teach me how to discipline right not anger and wickedness but in godliness so that when they're old they won't depart I'm gonna train them in something but discipline something Lord teach me how to be an encourager to my kids to my grandkids how to call out their their purpose and their identity teach me how to do that Lord God or teach me to have compassion Lord God no one had compassion on me and I don't really know how to walk in that I get so frustrated in the name of Jesus I declare that you're gonna start having peace in your home so we're a blended family and so I get my kids on the weekend and you know what their mom does with them all throughout the week I can't really control that yeah but when they come in your home it'll be a place of peace in fact the Lord's gonna give you breakthrough with your ex-spouse on how to co-parent a little bit better and some of the principles out of the Word of God and do them better do them right so that you'll have a great end result Lord's gonna help you as a stepdad stepmom on how to break past all the all the walls that that child has put up against you God's gonna give you wisdom and direction and guidance there's gonna be love in your home there's gonna be joy in your home children are a blessing from the Lord they are a gift they are your reward they will be a gift they will be a reward no longer a frustration in the name of Jesus father I thank you Lord God I thank you for what you teach in your holy scriptures we submit to that not to the prevailing ideologies not to what the the therapist said is the right way but Lord to what your word says is the right way I thank you Lord God for counselors I thank you for people who are skilled but Lord your word will not pass it is the truth by which we govern our lives and your ways are good and gracious and kind and loving we want to love like you love would you say that under your breath to your God I want to love like you love I want to love my kids like you love them, Lord Jesus I want to love my grandkids the way you would love them Lord Jesus